Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. A Living Sacrifice is the title that I have given the message this evening. Based upon the words that we read here, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And notice that he uses the word bodies. He does not use the word soul. So much of the time we are so intent upon getting the soul saved, which is important, and of course is the first step, that we forget that we're still in the body. And there is something about being a Christian that deals with the body, not just with the soul. We oftentimes overlook the importance of our physical life. Now that we are saved, now that our soul has been saved, now that that issue has been resolved, what is expected, what is the obligation, what does the Lord require of us for the soul is saved but what about that which we do physically in the body and Paul begins the verse by using the word beseech and he says I beseech you brethren one of the things that we must realize is that God does not compel anybody to be saved. That is a point of free will. My will is superior to God's will in that God allowed me to be able to make this decision and he cannot and will not overrule it. If a person wants to be saved, the invitation is there, the opportunity is provided, the blood of Christ has been shed for him. But if a person does not want to be saved, there is nothing in this world or in heaven above that man or God can do anything about For God gave man the right of freedom from the Garden of Eden until the end of time to decide on his own what he wants to do about being saved. Whether he wants to go to heaven or does not want to go to heaven is the choice of the individual and his own mind. His will is his freedom. God will not interfere. He will coerce and he will encourage and he will will make every way possible for a person to be saved. And that's why Paul had to use the word beseech, which means to encourage, but not to compel. God will not corner us and make a situation where it's impossible for us to do anything but accept him. God will never back a person into a corner and say, you can't get out without accepting my son. You won't do it. 
no force. A person has the right to believe or not to believe. And if a person says no, God will respect that decision. And that's why it is plain in the scripture that when a person has made up his mind, God will leave him and no more employ. If a person says finally, last of all, never anymore, my mind is made up, I am saying no, God don't bother me anymore, God will respect that. I read the story of a man who, going home after a revival meeting, putting his hands upon both gateposts outside his house, and he said, I'm not moving from this spot until I have made a decision to or not to. And when he had gone through that laborious process, he finally said, I am not going to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. He came to church many, many times after that. He got up and testified, but his testimony was, Folk, I made my decision standing at my gate, and God has left me. Never again has he invited, because I had said, No, I don't want anything to do with it. There is a danger in reaching a point of saying no. As long as the door is left open, there is some hope, some opportunity. But a person can make a decision in his life and ask God to leave him alone, and God will do that very thing. But that's not the point of what we are talking about this evening. What do we do after we have believed? Is it not proper, is it not reasonable in anybody's mind if we believe in God and believe Jesus Christ died on the cross and have accepted him as our Savior, he has saved us from eternal damnation, he has given us eternal life. Is it not reasonable, absolutely reasonable, that a person serve Jesus Christ if he's accepted him as his Savior? Can there be any illogic about that? Is it not absolutely reasonable in our mind that if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then our next step is to serve him in every capacity we can find to serve him? I mean, that's just a reasonable statement. And any Christian, surely any thinking Christian, would have to agree that one can do nothing less than serve the Savior who died on the cross to save them. Now, I want to give you three levels of this life of, as a Christian. But first of all is the level of living that we would call the sensual, S-C-N-S-U-A-L, the sensual, in other words, the physical. When a person, I knew Judy, you'd get your book out, so just hold it out, because I'm going to give you three words. And the rest of you take notes, take these down. Sensual, S-E-N-S-U-A-L, which means our life is ruled by our physical life, by the things around us. 
by the five senses. Most people live in the world of reacting to their one or more of their senses, to reacting to sight, to feel, to our hearing, to our taste, or to our smell. Consider your life. How much of it is centered around reacting to one of those five senses? Our conversation is absorbed in stating things about our senses. What do we say? It's too hot. Our feelings. It's too cold. I can't go to church tonight. The weather just isn't acceptable. I go, but I can't hear too well. Or I don't like what I'm hearing. Or does it taste good? It tastes nasty. What does it feel like? It hurts me. And all of all these statements have, oh, we have all made them. And I use them simply to illustrate the fact that most of our life is absorbed in reacting to one of these senses. Our sight, or our, our feelings, our sense of touch, our hearing, our taste, our smell. There's where we live. Most of our lives are absorbed in those things. A continual reaction to our senses. There's nothing wrong with this. This is the way God uh, brought us into being. He gave us the five senses. But this is the lowest of life. A low-level living. If all a person does is react to his environment, he isn't accomplishing much. And that's what most of us do. We react to this stimulus that are placed upon us. The only reason most of us work is because we have to have money, because we like to eat, and we like to have clothes on our back or shelter over our head. And if it weren't for that fact, most of us who work would not work. I say most because there are things that we probably would do because we enjoy them. But we are living in a reaction to our environment. All right, that's one level of living. The second level of living I'm going to call solace, S-O-U-L-I-S-H. Solish, and I want to say three things, and, and you will understand a little bit better the word when I get done. First of all, there are those who are absorbed in intellect. You have known people who have been extreme Bible scholars, who can quote you verse and chapter all from the scripture and there's nothing you can bring up but what they know exactly where it is in the Bible and they can tell it to you word by word, by word out of the King James. They can quote it from, from beginning to end in many cases. They have read the Bible through time after time after time. They are recognized as a scholar of the Bible. 
They can argue any point of the scripture that you want to bring up. They can have an opinion on it because they have already made up their mind, for they have researched the subject and have determined what they believe. And this is good, that a person is this kind of a, of a person. This is just simply the second level of living. He has advanced off reacting to his five senses, and he's put his mind to work, and he's reacting with his mind, and this is good. The trouble is it stops here too often. And so a person has reached the second level, if we want to call it that, by exerting the influences of his mind, and he knows what the Bible is, but you will discover that great numbers of these people are not in the church. They're not influencing anything as far as, as teaching what they know. They can verbalize it, but you can't put much dependence in anything else they do except their knowledge. Alright, the second group are those that are absorbed in emotions only. Those that cry at the mention of any word that uh, would be a bit emotional, those who might shout at the drop of a hat, and again, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, and I think we ought to weep when our emotions are there, and we ought to shout when we, when we have some feelings that we want to express, so I'm not discouraging that, but I'm talking about that type of person who is nothing more than a bundle of emotion, and after the service is over, it's business as usual again. Out onto the streets to do whatever, they are in an emotional, spiritual frenzy when they're in a group of people that can really build them on and build them up and get them high and excited, but once the excitement's over, there is no substance to them. That's the type of person I'm talking about. Those that would go to to revival meetings like Oral Roberts or some of the others and are brought on to a high frenzy of excitement. And once they go out the door, the excitement is dropped like a hot potato. And I have been in churches when that has happened. Whenever, and, and it's good, and some people are masters at it, of getting the congregation to really get high. It's almost like being drunk. And when it's that type of spiritual experience, I don't think it's the right kind. We don't need to be on spiritual dope. We need to have spiritual substance that gives some body to our lives. And I think we ought to be very careful in getting absorbed in the lives of people who are nothing more than a bundle of emotion. And there are churches like that. 
Now, I think that's exactly what happens with those who speak in tongues, if you want my opinion. You didn't ask for it, but I gave it to you anyway. Last through the experience only. All right. Uh, it's the type of thing that Jesus was talking about when he said a sower went out to sow, and he sowed his seed on all kinds of ground, and part of it fell on what looked like good soil, but it was rocky ground. He wasn't talking about rocks around there that you could pick up and throw out of the garden. He was talking about a rock shelf just about six inches underground. And you could plant any kind of seed you want in that six inches of soil, even a tree. And for a little while it will grow until it has to start sinking its roots deep into the soil to absorb, to get water, and to get nutrition. And the roots run into that rock, and suddenly they begin to wilt and fade away. And folks, that's what happens to many people in our churches who quickly receive what they say is a spiritual experience and are in a frenzy. And I've seen preachers dance in the pulpit and get everybody all excited, and we are having a great time. And there's no substance to it. This is what we're talking about. Thirdly, those who simply have a strong will, who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and now they know that there are certain things they ought not to do anymore. Some people would decide that they ought not to smoke. Others would decide they ought not to drink. Others would decide they ought to attend church every time the doors open without fail, regardless of the weather, regardless of family, regardless of their health, they will be there. This is all great to a point. But what I'm saying is that sometimes a person who is, who is simply going all out to do everything that he possibly can think of that ought to be right may be doing nothing more than exerting his will. He's just a strong-willed individual that can overcome all of these things, and he looks like a great Christian, but he's doing nothing to glorify Jesus Christ in the process of this. He's simply glorifying himself because he looks like something that he isn't. That's all soulish. A good level... But if we stop there, we have stopped short because there is a third level that we don't get to often enough, and that is the level of the spiritual in which we are completely controlled, and I use the word completely, controlled by the Holy Spirit. And that's the point of the message this evening in using, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your soul. No, he didn't say that. We've already given our soul to the Lord. He says, now then, present your bodies. Present your bodies. When the Holy Spirit takes control, not only of our spirit, not only of our soul, but also of our physical life, then we have reached the realm of the Spirit. We are controlled by the Spirit. We are under His control, in His service, 
our intellect, our emotions, our will have all been totally surrendered and we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, body, soul, and spirit. A whole bit. Most of us will give our soul to the Lord, but few of us will give our body. So we need to examine, I think, our true reason for what we're doing. And if we're trying to do all kinds of physical things, we need to stop and ask ourselves why. If we are extremely emotional, we need to ask ourselves what is the value here. If we're using our intellect to, to study God's Word, what's the reason that we're doing that? If it is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ fully and completely, these are all admirable. But if they are innocent to themselves, then we have fallen short of living a good spiritual life. And so Paul says, present your body. Now look what he says. A living sacrifice, a holy sacrifice, an acceptable sacrifice. Listen, our bodies is all that we can present. That's all I've got, folks. What you see is what you get. We don't have anything else except what is uh, us and attached to us, what we have in this life. You see, we don't present our soul to, for as a sacrifice. We present our body as a sacrifice. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary for our sins. We can't present anything for that sacrifice. What are we doing? We are presenting ourselves. We are willing to put ourselves completely as a sacrifice in the hands of God as a testimony of the triumph of Jesus Christ over Satan. living sacrifice. We should be living for Christ who died for us. And I suspect that most times we have not presented ourselves, our physical being, to Jesus Christ as a sacrifice. I knew one person one time, and I believe it did that completely and fully. Name was Brown. He was a preacher. He had given everything to the Lord, and in his mind and heart, he owned nothing. It all was the Lord's, and he simply was managing. And he was capable of saying, as he explained to me one time, when the furnace blew up in my house, I simply said to the Lord, Lord, it's your furnace. What do you want to do about it? Do you want me to go out and buy a new one and spend money to do it? I will. Doesn't matter to me. Doesn't belong to me. It's yours. Tell me what you want done. He had so completely given himself to the Lord that he didn't even think in terms of owning the furnace that he in the house in which he lived, which also, of course, he had given to the Lord. 
And he says also to present it a holy sacrifice. The Lord said, be holy for I am holy. We ought to be trying to live a holy life in which the virtues of God come into us and then flow back out of us. Like the psalmist said, living rivers of water. Then he says it ought to be an acceptable sacrifice. The question that we've got to ask ourselves on the word acceptable is, is our life, as we are living it, acceptable to God? Is he pleased with me? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.